asked me a lot about them because it's been a long time since we had them in our house. And uh, I just love my grandkids. I love them so much. And I think they know that. I know they get me for enough $20 bills. <laughs> and uh, they don't ever ask for them. But I've done it so long that, uh, that uh, I just do stuff. And then before they leave, I start handing them money. And uh, somebody said, well, you should have never started that. Well, you, act, you tell them that and see what they say. <laughs> They'll have a different opinion. Uh, I have never believed in uh, building a sermon in my study with uh, hours of research and uh, digging with a pick and shovel into the Bible and then getting a sermon and then trying to go find a scripture that would fit it. And does that make sense, Michael? I, yeah, it, if you're not a preacher, you wouldn't probably understand that fully. But uh, I, I've never started out trying to dig something up and then hope that I could find something in the Bible to substantiate it or fit it. And uh, I... Uh, I looked for a scripture and looked for a scripture and looked for a scripture and I told the Lord, I said, I've preached from that too many times. If I read that text, uh, the people will think I'm repeating a sermon. And uh, some of you sneaky Christians here, every time we preach, you write down in the margin of your Bible the sermon title and the date and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And you can't turn around and just walk up here five or eight or ten years later and do the same thing because it's written down in somebody's Bible out there. <laughs> and so uh, that's one of the advantages of the Methodist church. They, they move their preachers more often than we do. And uh, because uh, I heard a Methodist preacher said, told me this one time, one of my dear friends, a dear friend from the Methodist church, he told me, he said, he said, I think they have it figured that after we preach about five to eight years in one place, we don't have any more to say, so they move us to the next one. And I laughed until I cried. And he said, no, that's the truth. And he said, by the way, can you tell when a Methodist church uh, a member, a church member has been filled with the Holy Spirit? And I said, I don't know. And he said, when we sing, they pat their foot. Uh, and, uh, of course, we don't do that. We scream and clap our hands and raise them and Praise the Lord out loud. So uh, uh, if you open your Bible to Proverbs 22 and 6, you're going to find my name written beside that verse. If you're one of those note takers, you'll find it there. And uh, unless you have an electronic device in your hand. Uh, so uh, if you're one of those note takers, you'll find it there. And I want to uh, read a great verse and then... Speak from it, and as most of you know, usually a long ways from it. Uh, but that's the good part about being a Pentecostal preacher. You can read a verse, get started on after that, preach on anything you want to, right? So y'all have learned that from experience over the years. But Proverbs 22 and 6. And uh, I think perhaps it will be above me on the screen. And uh, the old King James Version says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And uh, I, I want to talk about that today. 
And if you will allow me to uh, give you this new information, I'm going to title it today, Seven Prayers to Pray for Your Children. Seven Prayers to Pray for Your Children. We had such a late notice that uh, I was not able to get these notes into the booth to have them run while I preach. So if you're a note taker, uh, keep your uh, pen handy and uh, you can follow along and write these things down. I am not in vogue today with the youth culture as we move deeper and deeper into the 21st century. There was a time in my ministry when I was on the cutting edge of youth work because I was the youth president out of our world headquarters over every church in the United States of America and our fellowship for four years. I studied it all. I read it all. I was uh, trained in it all and led 38 districts of churches that included something in the number of 3,000 different pastors. Uh, after I left youth work, I would uh, share with parents and grandparents some unique thoughts that God had given me about the younger generation, and especially concerning their spiritual growth. And I'm going to talk today about seven ways to pray for your children. Uh, it's going to be simple. It's going to be probably 7th, maybe 8th grade. But I think I'm better off to do that so that there will be nobody here that could even walk out without having a full understanding of what I said. The first thing is paramount for a parent that's full of God is to pray for their child's salvation. Pray for their child's salvation. And... The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 16 that uh, <clears throat> believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. Now, God does not have a family plan in the scripture about the whole family being automatically saved because the parent of the house is saved. Because this scripture in the original mother language of the Bible is clear. There's a comma in that verse. And if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved, comma, and your house if they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation does not come necessarily in a family plan like an insurance policy where you buy over your car and everybody that's riding in it is covered just because you bought the insurance. But when everybody in the family believes and they pray and they walk in Christ, then that family has a great opportunity to have their entire family go to heaven with them. You can't take your money. You can't take your goods, not even in a U-Haul truck. But you can take your family to heaven by implanting into them the things of God. Our number one prayer for our children should be for their salvation and, get this, their continual relationship with God after they get saved. And that is a major hurdle right there. That's a major deal. You see, uh, a relationship with God is more than scholarships, 
uh, it's more than popularity. It's more than success. And it's more than worldly acclaim. I can brag on children, my kids, when they would uh, do something, get a degree from college, uh, play a sports and excel, and all of that kind of thing. But the greatest acclaim that I have today for my family is that God helped us, that we got them into the program of God early, and they're Christian, and they have maintained that walk in Christ. I want you to get that, because it's so important. In Exodus chapter 28, there's a great story, very brief, but a high, high priest would wear a robe. Now, with a robe on, he wore a breastplate which would hang over his shoulders, front and back. And it would have, listen to this, 12 the tribes of Israel with gemstones in each one that represented that tribe. And he would wear it, and every time he would look at those gemstones, and it, it would be a reminder, a constant reminder to him that in his priesthood that he was to pray for the tribes that were under him and coming up behind him. Now, the New Testament, since we don't wear priest robes as parents, the New Testament declares that we are made priests of our home, of our houses. When we have Christian parents, they're the priest of the house, the home. And I want to point out that a high priest walked around with those gemstones over his shoulders, and while he was doing that, the beauty about all of this is one thing, and that is he could always be reminded at any moment of the day or night to pray for the children. Regularly, we ought to be praying for our kids. On their lunch hour at school, on their summer break, uh, on their activities, their ball games, we ought to be praying all the time about our kids. They need prayer. I'll explain more on that in just a brief moment. But remember that according to Jesus, a person can gain the whole world but lose their own soul. It's what the Bible said. They can get it all financially but still lose it all in eternity. God honors the prayers of the righteous. And I prayed over our children. And I pray over our kids now that are grown and over our grandchildren. And I want everybody to understand this. As parents were to call out their name to God, that God will save them and keep them on the right track. And the things we taught them will stay in them and not leave them as we live our lives out in front of them as Christian parents. That is important. I was so delighted to have our guest here today. And as I mentioned, I had no clue that uh, she would be presenting that ministry. But I want you to understand this. When, whenever God blesses a family with a child, number one priority, start praying, God, save this child. Let this child know you in the name of Jesus. And let me tell you that it should start, I believe, while they're still in the womb and pray over them because a child in the womb can hear, maybe not understand yet, but can hear. And I believe that we ought to pray for them while they're still in the womb. Thank you for those good amens. The rest of you can uh, say amen in a little while because I'll get on something you like, okay? But I want you to understand that. 
Now listen carefully to number two here. And that is pray for God to give your children wisdom. God to give your children wisdom. Now we're going to get into the nitty gritty right here. This is going to be where your ballpoint pen is going to use up some ink. Are you ready? Uh, Colossians 1 and verse number 9. Uh, it says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His wisdom. Listen to this. Spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's not just enough for they for them to understand and that they say, oh, well, I know how to do algebra, math, and study history. It's a spiritual wisdom thing and understanding that they need. And they need it desperately and especially in the 21st century. Would anybody in this house say amen to that? I understand that very fully. You see, we know that there's a war going on in our world today, and that war is over your kids and your grandkids. That's where the fight is. That's where the fight is. And I want you to understand this. It is not with guns and aircraft and bombs. It is not that at all. It's a cultural war. And I see it every time I turn on the television news or every time I go down the dial on the radio. <laughs> How old-fashioned was that? Go down the dial. Sorry. Go down the dial. When I was young, you had to turn it real slow and then tune it in. Come on, old people, say amen. You know what I'm talking about. But now it's not like that. You just hit the scan button and just touch it, you know, and, and there you are. Well, uh, since it's like that today, it's a cultural war, and the battle lines are very well drawn. I heard this week on CBS News, I don't necessarily recommend CBS or ABC or NBC or CNN or any of them, uh, because uh, this it's all so tainted. But but I heard on CBS that 52% of all married couples, when interviewed, said, we are too busy to spend quality time with our children. So they resort to a second resort, and that is something that goes in their hand and glues their eyeballs to a tiny screen or to a computer screen or something in the house, like a computer screen that's at home, a television screen, or anything to that effect. And they're too busy. We're, we're too busy. Somebody said, well, I have to do this. No, you don't. I, I'm going to differ with you. you. You should have things in your life that you could cut loose if you weren't so selfish about it and give more time to that family because that family is what you take to heaven and not all that other stuff that you like to do so much. Now, don't you miss, don't you miss a good place to clap your hands. And some of you missed that spot right then because it offended you. Listen to me. There's something more important than some of our hobbies. There's something more important. you got a family that's going to go to heaven or hell. And they need God. And let's give them some time as well. We have the lines drawn. The battle's on, whether you know it or not. Do you know that there's one side out there that says there's a God? There's another side out there that said there is no God. The battle lines are drawn. One side teaches that ideas and actions are either right or wrong. The other side said there are no absolutes. 
And every individual decides what is right or wrong for himself, and then when he decides, it becomes right or wrong. And that's what the world's saying today. We don't have absolutes. One side said, there's a Bible and it's God's Word. Another side said, well, the Bible is a collection of old stories, history, and a lot of myth that's inside the Bible. I want to tell everybody here today that that book that you have in your hand or in your lap or in the pew rack beside you, that book will be here to preach your funeral. It will be here to preach your funeral. I want to tell you, no matter how you feel, it'll be here. And I want to add something else to this, if I may. More than anything in the world, when Madeline Murray O'Hara, who's dead and gone now, declared there was no God, guess what book was still here when she was gone? There was a Bible here. It's going to be here. It's not going anywhere. And that Bible is a rule of life. And it is God's eternal, inerrant, infallible, and plenary Verbally inspired word, the pneuma of the Holy Ghost in this world today, the wind of God. And I'm thinking of this time that we made up our mind that we're going to pray for our child's wisdom if they get full of the Word of God and you never allow the devil to take the Word out of your kids. Is that okay with everybody? Somebody said, you're taking us back 40 years. I beg your pardon. I'm not taking you back 40 years. I'm taking you back 2,000. I'm going back to a book that was written a long time ago, not 40 years ago. And let's understand something very well today. We have a God, and that God is alive and real. And He's not going away no more than that other crowd is not going away. And I want you to understand this. You see, one side is going to tell it one way, and the other side is going to tell it the other. And I will not allow the enemy to quiet my voice. It will be heard no matter what. Your children, no matter what age they are, need God's wisdom in order to be victorious and have spiritual things going in their life. They need the wisdom of God. Would you listen to this? Of the nine spiritual gifts listed in the book of Corinthians, in Paul's writing for the church, the first gift was wisdom. Because if you don't get it, all those other gifts are made ineffective. That's the reason God said you use this one first. You get wisdom. And when you get that side, then you'll be able to operate in those other gifts and have what God would have you to have. You understand today that we pray for our child's wisdom and we pray for their salvation. Everybody say amen. Amen. The third one now is you pray for your child's protection. You pray for your child's protection. Isaiah 54, verse 17. No weapon that's forged against you will prevail. Listen to that. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is your heritage. It's the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me that declares the Lord. In other words, if you declare me as God, he said, then I'm going to be on your side. I'm going to stand by your side. I'm not going to leave your side. And when things look bad, I'm going to still be there. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still God, and I'm omnipresent. I'm everywhere, equal, all at the same time, and it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. Now, I want you to hear this preacher, and hear me well. And that is, it's a dangerous world. Everybody knows that. 
And I'm, I'm going to go somewhere that's going to just set you back on your heels and say, oh, I wasn't expecting that. But God gave you, your children, so you could pray. And then after that, you take action yourself after you pray to protect them. It is your responsibility. People say, well, I just prayed. I put them in the hands of God. I'm not going to worry about it. I just prayed God, God's in control. Look, that's absolute baloney. And if you don't know what baloney is, go to the grocery store and read on the package. And you will put it down and not buy it, neither eat it. If you knew what it's made out of. So don't be deceived in the thing that you say, well, it's just the way I feel about it. Look, it doesn't matter how we feel about it. Understand there's violence in our world. Would you agree? There are drugs in our world, street and prescription drugs that... Uh, that uh, damning some people, it seems like. Then there's gunfire, and then there's knives, and there's drive-by shootings, and then there's gangs, then there's bullying, and there's a thousand other things out there. And, And however, the biggest threat, the biggest threat has nothing to do with the things I just named. The biggest threat is the other weapon of the devil. And if you're a note taker, you write it down. The biggest threat is deception. Deception. The devil is in the deceiving business. That's number one. You see, Satan is a deceiver. He will not always threaten your child with visible things. He will hit them with the invisible. Now, I know that you're not all on your feet right now screaming and shouting amen. Because I'm probably treading somewhere on your front doormat that's maybe getting a little <clears throat> irritable. But uh, listen carefully to it. In the end, God will help you. And in the end, everything will be all right. So if it's not all right now, listen, it's not the end yet. God's still on your side. Come on, God's still working. Look at your neighbor and say out loud, God's still working for me. Amen? Say that out loud to somebody. God's still working. People are, 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 are so faithless sometimes. Yeah, let, me, let, me, let me explain what I'm talking about. Satan, most of the time, flies under the radar. I'm wanting to preach here, and I'm, just, I'm holding myself back. I, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to turn loose and act like I normally do. He hits with extreme accuracy. Uh, watch and pray that those sly and dangerous attacks will be repelled by your teaching to your child, the Word of God, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit of God. And I know parents today that are no longer teaching Holy Spirit baptism to their kids. They're not doing it at all. You young people over here that's talking so much, y'all are bothering me a little bit. Would y'all stop? Thank you. I love you. Okay? Just, just want y'all to, just a little bit, all right? And, uh, and so I want you to hear that Satan's under the, he's under the radar. He, he does not come in and carpet bomb. He's not pulling the lever. I talked to a, a, the, the friend of my father's, and uh, Vernon Dawson, World War II, Japan. And uh, he, he, was a, he was a tail gunner in an airplane. Listen to this. He, he was a bomber, 
and he would sit in the belly of a, of a, of a big jet and he would push a, a button down and pull a lever and bombs would fly out of the belly of that plane. And he said, I'd look out at the bottom and I'd see Japanese people running and diving into, into culverts and ditches, running into buildings while the bombs were falling. And they were trying to save their life. And it was called carpet bombing. They would just go in and just carpet bomb. They, like the carpet cover, they'd bomb everything. But Satan does not do that only. Not only. He comes in stealth. He comes in tactical. He comes in through the mind. He comes in through friends that are doing the wrong thing and entice our kids to go do the wrong thing. He comes in with a, with a sly way. And, and he has all kinds of ways because he is a deceiver. Do you know that in the Bible the word Jacob meant heel biter like a chihuahua uh, that runs up behind you and snaps at you? At your heel, a uh, heel biter. You know, I, I, I think I'd much rather uh, meet a, uh, a, some kind of dog face-to-face where I could keep my eye than one run around behind me and nip at me and that type thing. And, and do you know that when I'm talking about this, I'm trying to convey something very important, and that is there's a difference in, in a heel biter and one who's con- confrontational, and the enemy of your soul is out there. He's going to do all he can He's going to fight all he can. He's going to do all he can. And we also need to understand that when he comes in, he will deceive. And when that seed of deception is planted, he'll tear that ground up and he'll destroy the soul of a man or woman or a teenager just like that because that's what he does. And I see so many in this society today that don't believe that. I talked to somebody the other day, and I'm using this by permission from a gentleman in our church. And, uh, uh, and, and I, I meet people all the time who say, well, I don't go to church because my mom and dad made me go to church. And, and I had a parent tell me that several years ago. said, well, my kids won't come to church because they say I made them go to church. I said, that's not the reason they're not here. And the mother said, well, it's not. What is? And I said, well, right now they've got the devil in them. <laughs> Duh. I'm going to say amen. And she said, oh, yes, that's right. Uh, and and I, I was surprised that she didn't just walk out of the church and say, I'll never be back. But she didn't. Uh, and, and many people have those excuses. Why well, I'm not going to go to corporate worship in a church because, uh, you know, my mama made me go and my daddy made me go. And they made me and I'm not going to do it. Well, let me ask you this. If that is your thinking, if that's your excuse, if you hear that, then uh, why don't you use the same excuse for going to ball games? Uh, don't do this, but you could look at somebody near you right now and say, Bubba, that's for you. But everybody here is not a Bubba, so don't do it. Why don't we say, well, let me tell you why I stopped going to ball games. Well, why did you stop going to ball games? Because uh, when I went to a ball game, they always wanted money. OMG. <laughs> they always wanted money. Well, have you gone to a ball game late? I went to a cowboy game not terribly long ago, 111 bucks. $111. 
I was in the nosebleed section. I was so high up there that I had to keep something around. Man, it, uh, you know, I was, I was lightheaded. $111, people way off down there, you know, $1,000 a seat or whatever. Uh, why don't we use the same thought concerning going to ball, uh, church and, and ball games? Uh, somebody said, well, well, that doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah, uh, because when I got to that ball game, the other fans there didn't care one thing about me. I've heard people say, well, I don't go. Nobody speaks to me. They don't care anything about me. You go to ball games with them. You pay for the Dallas Cowboy tickets with them. Why is that not an excuse to quit going? Why don't we just go ahead and talk about three or four or five or six or seven or 12 more of these, okay? They'll be real short. <clears throat> the seats were too hard. Oh, I don't go to ball games because the coach never came to visit me. Grand now. Uh, or the referee. I didn't like the calls he made when he was up there. Or, thank you. God bless you. Amen. Or, what about this one? Uh, some of the games went overtime and they made me miss my lunch. <laughs> you never said that about a football game that went in overtime. You were pulling for your team. You gave money to go there. You didn't care what the people around you thought. Come on, body of Christ. Say amen for me. Look at this. Isn't this amazing? Well, the band played songs I didn't know. (laughs) Oh, God. Everybody say, Lord, help the preacher. (laughs) Well, I had other things to do at game time. Well, my parents took me to too many games, so when I got grown up, I quit going. Or what about I know more than the coach does anyway? (laughs) Or I can be just as good a fan if I'm at the lake instead of in the church or at the ball game. Let me give you the last one here, and everybody say, thank God. Uh, I want to take I won't take my kids to the game either because they got to choose for themselves what team they want to follow. All right. That cost me. Pray for your next pray for your child's boldness. You getting it down? Now look at me close. I'm, I got about I got about Three of these, I've got to wrap up quickly. But pray for their boldness. Teach them to show them by your lifestyle that they can be bold and strong without being repulsive to other people who are not Christians. If you don't get that down, you're missing something. Amen? You see, they can make a stand without being offensive. Do you understand that if we pray for their spiritual boldness, that is visible and tasteful and not self-righteous, it will help? Our kids don't get anywhere when they look at another child and say, I'm a Christian and you're not. They're trying to blow somebody out of the water and, and make, them, make them feel bad. You, you can say things that are helpful and meaningful and a blessing to help people find Christ. Do you know it's a glorious thing to watch a young person grow in boldness 
and they're saturated with grace and kindness at the same time. And they can gracefully say, well, I don't do that because I'm a Christian, but I'll be praying for you and I love you and I ask God to help you in your future as we go along. And I want to be your friend. I'm going to pray that the Lord will help you instead of giving them a cotton patch cussing. Amen? So pray for your child's boldness, but to be in good taste. And then uh, number six here. And I only have one after this one. Everybody exhale and say, praise God. Uh, you pray for your child's endurance. Their endurance. Wow. Colossians 1 and 11, it says, Be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Endurance and patience. We've got to endure. Do you understand that it requires making right decisions not for 30 or 40 days, or 30 or 40 years, or 50 or 60 years. That's not how long we make good decisions. We make them all of our life. We start young, we start early, and we pursue it all the way to the end. And somebody said, well, what's the importance of that? In the book of Revelation, it says in chapter 2 and 3, seven times, look at my hands, seven times in two chapters, Seven times in two chapters, it says, He that endures to the end will be saved. He that endures to the end shall be saved. He that endures to the end shall be saved. We've got to run the race to the finish line. We've got to run it all the way. Have you ever watched Animal Planet? TV, where they have all the cheetahs that wake up in the morning hungry and all the wildebeest out there that wake up in the morning knowing that there's some hungry cheetah that's going to look for me for dinner today. You ever watch that? And this cheetah gets up and he stretches and they talk about him, his stealth, how he gets down low and peeks up through the grass and that poor old unintelligent wildebeest is out there with his head down just gobbling it up and gobbling it up. And all of a sudden, the cheetah crawls in, stealth, and he gets up there. And I read about them, and they can run 70 miles an hour. Wow. However, they can only do that for, look, look at me now, a short distance. Not a long ways. Why? Because... Their heart and their lungs are disproportionately uh, out of sync. They have too big of a body, and their lungs and their heart are way, way, way too small. And so what do they do? If the cheetah does not catch his prey quickly, it has to give up. It has to give up if it cannot catch his prey quickly. It is fast. But it cannot endure. Look at me, saints. Don't run out of the gate when you get saved with all the speed and agility in the world and play out before you get to the end. Who's doing that hand clapping? Could I brag on you? Who? Oh, 
Go ahead, man. Just do it one more time. I, y'all are just missing good places in here. You've got to run to the end. You've got to run. Somebody say, I'm going to run to the end. Uh, I, and we have to do that. Don't, don't start out on this thing and say, well, I'll see how it goes. I'm going to tell you how it's going to go. <laughs> the devil's going to hate you and not like you. You see, you don't just be swift. Endure. Pray that, that your child has an enlarged heart and a capacity for the things of God. Okay? Here's the last one now. Everybody whisper to yourself. Don't say it out loud. I'll be offended. Say, okay, thank God it's over, huh? I heard you do it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our kids' lives. Exodus 31, 3. Now, I have filled him with the Spirit of God and wisdom in understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. I'm going to go back over that verse. Spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and all manner of workmanship. Four things. To build the Ark of the Covenant, which was God's presence in the Old Testament, the Bible said that they had to be filled with wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and skillful workmanship. Filled. You don't hear that in modern English? You couldn't get a union card unless you were filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? You could not get a union card unless you were. Parent, you may not know what your children may be when they have received their education. You may not know anything about that right now. But listen to this carefully. When you pray for them and they get the right occupation, it's important. And verse Three in Exodus 31 is an offering from God to fill them with His Spirit and to be a guide to them because you read the Word, you take them to church, you're willing to give, you're willing to stay to the altar call, <laughs> you're willing to be what God would have you be, and you have the Spirit of God that teaches through your life. And look at me, promise me, you'll do that while your baby is still in the womb. Amen? Start there. My wrap-up is Barbara and I, since we're semi-retired and no longer the lead pastor and uh, doing that stuff, we travel a little bit more than we used to. We got to take, every once in a while, what we call day trips. We hop in the car. We drive several hours. We pick a nice, clean motel. Say, let's stay here. Let's go look at this. Let's go do that. And we do a day trip. And when we rent a hotel room, and I lay my credit card down, and the clerk behind the desk says, how many days will you be with us? I tell them. And then I put the card in the little receiver, and I pull it out. And then they, when I leave, they give me a thing to sign. And uh, when I pay for that room... I go into the room, and the light is not on. 
And I don't have to go back to the front desk and say, by the way, could I buy some electricity? Could I pay some extra and get lights? No. Because the lights come with the room. Come on. Listen to this. It becomes my responsibility. If I don't like the darkness, it becomes my responsibility to walk over and say, I paid for this already. Here's the switch. And the light's on. You got it? Somebody say, I got it. Okay. Now, when, when you're living for God and the Holy Spirit enlightens you, let the light come on. Learn what God's saying to you. Learn what God's doing in your life. Flip the switch in your home, on your job, in front of your children, and God will guide you into truth, and He'll direct your steps. And when your children are old, they will have made decisions, and you'll look back and grin and say, like God said of Jesus, this is my son or daughter, and I'm well pleased with the way it turned out. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't think there are any appropriate altar call songs for this. I've never heard an inappropriate altar call song about, Oh, parent, come to the Lord and bring your kids to. You know, I, I, I don't know of any songs I've ever heard to that effect. But I want to ask today if you have lost children or lost grandchildren. Could I see your hand if anybody... That, that would just, and I'm not, you know, I'm not being harsh here, but okay. And, and so uh, <clears throat> what I'm going to do today without any big affair, for all of you that want prayer today for your children, your grandkids, or for any lost family member, let's not stop it at the children, okay? Uh, while, while they play softly, would you... Walk down here and let us pray over you and with you. Amen? Would you do it? Come on, that's good. God bless you.